0: Welcome to Pharmacy View Podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key people within Australian pharmacy and the associated global industry. In this stream of podcast episodes, we discuss with our guests the full scope of leadership tools that go into building the Pharmacy Leaders Toolbox for team and career success. I am your host, Chantelle Turner, pharmacist, leadership coach, and founder of Turn Pharmacy Leadership. My guest today is proudly brought to you by Shopfront Solutions for all your shelf and digital marketing needs part of the Aerion Technologies Group hello everyone today i am super privileged to introduce to you someone who i consider a friend and a kindred spirit when it comes to emotional intelligence and self-awareness and these skills that lie one remove from being a pharmacist but allow us to be the best version of ourselves both in and outside of work and allow our clinical skills to shine. Uh, our guest, she is a lecturer uh, in the School of Medicine and Psychology at ANU. She's a hospital pharmacist. She has recently completed her PhD, specifically in burnout um, within pharmacists, which I'm sure we'll cover a bit today. Uh, and she is with us so her name is Carly Johnston so welcome so much Carly it's so great to have you here thank you Chantelle
1: it's so great to be here it's really nice to be able to talk to you and have other people hear what is usually our very private conversations a lot more publicly
0: a hundred percent and this is what I am super excited about that people are going to be able to have a listen into what has been our breakfast conversations, what's been our conversation in an airport, and you know, going about our daily lives as well. So I'm super pumped to uh, unpack it all here today. So to begin with, who is Carly Johnston, and what do we need to know about your pharmacy story?
1: Um, I guess uh, Carly Johnston now is very, very different to Carly Johnston even five years ago, but definitely ten years ago. I'm very ambitious and a very um, focused, uh, end game kind of focused individual. Uh, and I have approached my career in that way. Uh, so I spent most of my um, hospital careers, so I've been a hospital pharmacist um, since I finished pharmacy school. Uh, and I have really focused on becoming um, a critical care pharmacist. So I've, I've done that and I've got advanced practice. Uh, and so that sort of that ambition, or that very end focus, sort of part of me was very a very big part of my, um, I guess my career. What I thought was career success, um, what success looks like to me now is very different. To what it looks like to me, um, even five years ago, I guess. Um, I have had. Um, burnout probably a couple of times but certainly once um that i guess was the catalyst to a lot of change for me in my life and certainly in my professional life um that uh sort of i guess in the end ended up with me taking a big chunk of leave so i took some long service leave um and that was a period of time where i really got to was very privileged i've been in a public service hospital job for that whole time for my whole career and so I was very lucky that I had long service leave I know a lot of pharmacists don't get those kind of opportunities so I to have the privilege to have a break away from work is something that not a lot of people get Uh, so I certainly acknowledge that that was a very um, lucky time and for me it meant the difference between being able to go back to pharmacy and not be able to go back at all so I took some time off um realized that I had burnout Um, and when I started talking to colleagues about my experience I found out that it wasn't just me uh, that quite a few of my colleagues had felt or were feeling really similar to the way I was and so I decided to research it Um, and that I guess was the beginning of me moving into um, into an academic position I got a job um, where I got to do my research in the medical school at knew and i also got to teach pharmacology which so luckily for me they needed a pharmacology lecture at same time mm-hmm. so that was again very lucky um a lot of things i really believe a lot of things in our lives are put in front of us for different reasons and i i mm-hmm. thoroughly um think uh, feel like that was meant to change my life at that time at that moment. um and so mm-hmm. i started my phd in burnout uh and that process uh, one, I got to meet a lot of wonderful people, yourself included, through that yeah. um, through that process. But I got to interview a lot of pharmacists about their experiences working, particularly during COVID. Uh, and I realized really quickly that um, the pride I had in the way that pharmacists represent their communities um, was very, very deep. Um, and that appreciation mm-hmm. for that, the privileged role we have Um, in people's lives has become more and more a part of what success looks and feels like to me so Mm. my main I guess um, interest now is really um, talking about teaching modeling um, how to be the best version of ourselves so that we can be the best pharmacists that we can
0: be what a legacy to leave uh uh, (laughs) we'll (laughs) see and well a a legacy to be working on as well because you know i think that just as i guess as a a side road of, of legacy you know we think about it as you know in retrospect but our daily actions are what are creating our legacy as well so what a noble way and a noble um yeah, I guess, as you said, privileged to be able to research this and give back and assist other pharmacists to continue um, our profession in a way that's going to be sustainable well and truly into the future. Absolutely. So let's start at the beginning, burnout. Uh, How did it present for you and what do you see in others?
1: Um, It presented... um insidiously I think it sort of mm. it really crept up on me I knew I was uh stressed um and I had spent uh, a reasonable chunk of time um not enjoying what I did which was quite unusual in retrospect when I look back uh, I enjoyed my job very very much loving mm. um and so I knew that that wasn't great but I also sort of felt like Uh, there was no choice in it or that I you know it didn't matter I had to keep going anyway so it wasn't this sort of obvious thing where I went oh my goodness I'm really burnt out it was I sat in the car park before I went into work and I cried most mornings before going in just to almost get it out before I got in there because I felt like Mm -hmm. the day was going to bring that kind of uh, emotion to it anyway and so I felt myself very emotionally um, drained I found myself kind of so, most of, as you know, I, most of my work is in ICU, and I found myself almost on two ends of the spectrum, almost where some patients I just couldn't connect with, and I just, my empathy wasn't there for some of those stories. And on the other hand, I felt this deep, empathetic, almost sympathetic connection with other patients that had me really feeling their sadness um, that I, that was heavier than it sort of had been for me previously. Um, and I guess I was feeling very—I um, don't know—I don't I still don't really know what word to use—but taken advantage of, or sort of uncared for in my job. So I sort of—I felt like I was really resentful of sort of all the work that I was being asked to do, and nobody was helping me. And I had this really sort of um, this sense that I was kind of at it alone. Um, what? do I see in others? I see a very similar thing happening in others. So I think one of the key things for me that I've learned about burnout, both from interviewing pharmacists and just my own experience, um, is that pharmacists feel an immense, oh, I feel emotional about it, an immense sense of duty. So we feel this overwhelming sense to be there for others. And that's patients, absolutely. But it's also peers. I see a lot of people saying, if I don't do this, then I'm leaving it on the rest of my team. And so we've got this sense of responsibility or duty. I was asking my husband the other day, what word do I use to describe this thing that I've seen and felt and heard? Um, but it is, it is this, it's it's sort of um, it's this heavy sense of having to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just thinking about it now, I think that's a really, really strong thing that comes through from most pharmacists most all all of the pharmacists that i spoke through spoke to through my research that's one really strong um like thread is that people feel a sense of responsibility and duty to their patients to their teams to their communities Um, and it is heavy it's a heavy weight to carry sort of all the time
0: yeah Uh, and to add my personal feelings of when i went through burnout as well i totally get what you mentioned about that heavy feeling and that sense of duty it was almost like i used to describe it as i would stand at the computer and it would just feel like i just had my head above the water like i was just constantly drowning and it was all i could do just to keep the head above water. And so the way I went about that was investing more in others. And to be able to say, Oh, well, if I can just keep the team going, if I can just keep the team going, that's going to make it um, easier for me, and then no one will notice and it almost is like deflecting um, as well. and. I get what you're saying about those opposite ends of the spectrum, that it is such an emotional roller coaster. So there's this total disconnect in so many ways, and then this truly sense of overwhelm at the other end of the spectrum. And for me, I was going through the roller coaster, but on the outside it was this this mask, like no one would have known until yeah. it was at breaking point.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and that sense that um, if yeah, if I can just keep it together for the rest of the team, it'll be okay. If, you know, everybody else will be fine, and I'll be okay because everybody else will be okay. And so it is—it's this sense of denial of of um, sort of this if I can if I can be okay for for everybody else, then that will make me okay. Because we we often do that. We often get a sense of um, pride and feeling good about being there for other people. And I think when you're in that kind of space, you're really looking for those connections. You're really seeking out how can this work better? How can I be better? Um, And I think it's it's an easy way to ignore or to push aside uh, the reality of what's really happening
0: yeah yeah a hundred percent and um i don't know whether you see it in others as well but i think for me when i got to that point as well and as you said that if the team's okay i'm okay it is that you can't get that validation from within yourself so you start looking for it elsewhere and that is a very very slippery slope (laughs) to um to go down
1: yeah, absolutely. And it's a real, it's almost, there's almost nothing that anyone can do that will meet that standard that you're looking for. It's It's an impossible thing to be searching for because it's never going to come in a way that will actually end up fixing you or making you feel better because that it can't come from outside. It's just impossible. It doesn't work like that.
0: Sad. Yeah, uh, exactly. And uh, I'm glad that we've both realize this now and we are now both helping to provide others with the tools so they don't need to necessarily go down to the depth that we had to get to before coming out the other side. Before we get there, though, I want to just see whether we can join the dots between this need for external validation and the fact that it's never going to come. And the fact that you felt Unsupported and taken advantage of in your workplace.
1: So I think um, I think a couple of things. I think um, the whole point of seeking external validation is to be seen, uh, yes. or is to feel seen. Um, when you're feeling unseen and unvalued there's almost nothing anybody else can do to help you feel as seen as you feel like you need to be for that to be okay. Um, it's such a hard thing to kind of really put into words. Isn't it just trying to articulate? That's really difficult, actually. Um, one thing I think that I have learnt um, only after having been in that um, situation is when, when I've sort of looked back and, and talked to other people about it. Um, they there's been this sort of uh, overall what was it so when I when I think to myself what would it have taken for me to have been okay like what was I looking for Um, I still don't know that there's an actual answer to that I don't think there's anything that anybody could have done and more importantly um, the one question that I think I now know uh, the answer to was what did I ask for that wasn't given to me. And I realize now I didn't ask for anything. So I was very, very sad. I was very, very angry. Um, I felt really taken advantage of, but I realize now that I did not ask for help. I did not ask for staff. I did not ask for time off. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think I could. there were times where I didn't know what I needed. And I think that's a really important thing that we don't necessarily talk about very much, but actually knowing what you need is hard. It's actually a really hard thing to really understand your needs, especially when you're really hurting. Um, and to ask for something is even harder. Uh, and so I realize now, many, many years later, uh, many, many, many hours of self-reflection, uh, and going over that time to really for these moments to really try and help other people and really try to describe what these things were but I realize now not once not for one second not at home not at work nowhere did I ask yeah.
0: like anything what a realization and it really aligns with what I have noticed, and also like within myself, but then in others, and why I personally really embarked on the emotionally intelligent leadership journey is that it's leadership of self uh, and that ability to be able to advocate for ourselves in a way that is authentic to us so that we can, you know, protect our boundaries uh, and also um, be heard in a way that people understand as well so i want to know once you realize this what was the process or how did you go about um trending towards um let's call it the new kali or the kali 2.0 um, <laughs> that evolved, that, that, that evolved uh, after your experience
1: so I think there's a couple of things. I think the first thing is to take some time when I'm not feeling overwhelmed to really understand what my needs are. So I often talk about um, being at my best, and I talk to other people about what does what does it look like when you're at your best. So what are the things that really what are the resources you need? What is the environment that you need? And a lot of that as um, sort of. Um, tokenistic as it sounds but a lot of that is just being mindful just really knowing how you feel in different situations and really understanding why do I feel like it, what has triggered this response in me um and you know you and I have talked about this many times but I am a very big um believer in naming my emotions so whatever emotion it is just so that I can kind of uncouple the cognition from it like what is really going on here for me a lo- I'm very very emotional a lot of my uh, you know, wear my heart on my sleeve with me, what you see is what you get. Um, and so really understanding how I feel in certain moments and what emotions are being evoked from in different environments is really important to me. So I'm I'm fairly deliberate um, in in moments where I'm feeling really happy. I'll put a little, I guess, a little flag up in my brain and say, oh, I'm feeling really good right now. What is it like right now? i'm sitting here talking to you about this stuff i feel great i think okay well this is because it's something i really deeply care about my values are being recognized here i'm feeling like i can help other people all those things so i'm a lot more deliberate about how i'm feeling in different situations Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um and so then i know when i'm not okay uh one what might it take to make me feel a bit better just for me but two if i'm at work and you know, I really like, so for example, I really like working with others. I like being in the team environment. So I know when I've got to do uh, a lot of individual work um, that I feel really overwhelmed with and then I get angry that I'm the only one doing it. Um, and I'm a lot more honest and authentic about what I need. And so I'll say to my colleagues, or to my boss, look, I actually find this really tricky when I'm doing this work on my own. Does anybody want to get together and do some of this together? Can I ask for an extra person to help me with this? For three days or whatever um, and one thing which you know uh, again you and I talked a lot about but one thing that I'm very very uh, passionate about is bringing my authentic self and so when I ask I ask because it's genuinely what I need and if he can't give it to me or whoever I'm with talking about my boss right in this moment but if, if whoever I need can't give it to me um, then I'm that's okay because I've gone in I've asked authentically um, And that's the best that I can do to support myself in that moment. So I think knowing what I need or kind of trying to understand a bit more what I need, being more mindful about how I feel in certain situations so I know what brings me joy um, and being authentic and asking, just flat out asking directly. Brene Brown says, clear is kind. And I believe that a hundred times. I think if I'm clear with what I need and my expectations are explicit, then there's no confusion and I can't be frustrated by what I don't get because I've at least asked for what I need.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. So I'm hearing lots of greater self-awareness and intentional self-awareness as well. Um, I'm curious, being able to ask for what you want, authentically, and as you said, clear as kind, I'm sure we would all agree that that is the gold standard. And that's what we'd all love to do every time. What tools did you use or what, I guess, techniques did you help to strengthen that muscle to be able to ask for what you need? Um, So I do a lot of this practicing at home. (laughs) <laughs> so,
1: so I teach this to my children, too, and I have these conversations with my husband, and he's, he always rolls his eyes and says, like, oh, here we go, you're asking. you are be very <laughs> deliberate about what you're asking from me. Uh, because I, it does take practice. It is not something that we're comfortable doing. Most of this stuff isn't easy. If it was, we wouldn't have to talk about it so much. We'd just all be out there just kicking goals all over town constantly um but it's just not like that uh and so i find a lot of practice i also now i do a lot of um conversations with other people about how to do this and i find that doing that really helps to strengthen that muscle too because just the practice the role playing i do a lot of sort of you know okay how might you go in and ask that and how might that be received and um i think one thing um i think that is really important is to so a lot of times when we're not getting what we need, we assume that there's a deliberate defense on the other end. So we assume that my boss doesn't want to give me this time off for some they don't like me or some, thing, some, own, some crazy narrative we've got going on in our own heads about, you know, not being worthy or not working hard enough or something that you think this other person is thinking, feeling, doing or acting on. And a lot of the time it's just not. It's just not um, and so one thing I think that's really a really great way I guess to kind of approach those sort of conversations is with curiosity with genuine curiosity I can't understand why this person wouldn't be
0: letting me take
1: my leave when I want them to I know I just making up a scenario but um, mm-hmm. but to go in and say goodbye I really want to have that time off. I need to understand why I couldn't have that time off and here are the reasons why I need it. One, two, three. Can we have a conversation about that? that, Is that something we can do? And I think if you can be kind um, and curious and authentic, uh, I think as a general rule, people find it really hard, one, to say no to you and two, to be mean to you. Yeah. Just, I just, the, the opportunities I've had have been really positive. And I go in like that, the conversations are different.
0: I couldn't agree more. And bringing this back to, I guess, emotional intelligence as well. When we look at the competency of authenticity, it's not just about, I am who I am, so I'm allowed to say whatever I want. It is about being able to communicate in a way that honors your needs, your beliefs, your values but in a way that it can be heard. So articulating it to the right person at the right time in the right way. So by being able to do that practice at home, um, to be able to prepare and have a bit of a think about the situation before going in, we actually allow a much more open conversation as opposed to coming in on the defensive. Absolutely. And then that is setting up for what you want back in return. So if you go in being confrontational, you're going to get confrontation back. But if you go in open, you're setting it up for a much more positive experience for for everyone as well. And
1: you know, you've just hit on something that's really important that I haven't said, or maybe I've implied, but I definitely haven't said, but I have a, I'm very trigger happy. So if I, my, my values are very strong. And so if I, if someone's, Questioning or something's mismatched for me I get very irritated I get like I'm I'm like a bit of a dog with a bone uh, what I have learned over time is that going in like that never gets me anywhere and so now I very rarely react in the moment I'm much better even though it is a lot of work for me and I deliberately have to tell myself do not react to this You can feel how you feel, but do not react to it. Uh, And you can think about this later and work out how you're gonna react later. And so, and that's advice I give to a lot of people now that giving yourself some time and space will change, not just the way you react, but the message and how it's heard. Um, When I, I'll give you an example. I, um, a few, quite a few years ago now, but I had a boss um, who I was really, we just, you know, we just didn't really mesh Um, lovely person but just work-wise and I used to go in very frustrated uh, into the office really frustrated very defensive about decisions that were being made about my team Um, a lot of the time I would cry because when I'm angry or frustrated or sad or happy I cried to cry Um, and my mentor and I could not get anywhere with this person and I was talking to my mentor about it, uh, and she said to me, "I think you're losing your message because of the way you're going into the room." And I was like, "Well, that's crazy." She's like, "Sure, <laughs> you may think that's crazy." <laughs> um, and she said, "How about you try, maybe try and think about what are you, what is your message? What's your main message? What do you want to get out of the conversation? Make a time instead of just barging into the office, where this person is then going to be very defensive that they are off." you've caught them off guard no time for preparation um and you might see a change in how that conversation goes and 100 she was absolutely right and that i still remember that there's a lot of just little lessons in my life that i remember very clearly that is one um and so now i'm not perfect at it i won't say i am i'm definitely not um but one thing that I try really hard to do is to control my behaviour when I'm reacting, not my emotion. My emotion is what it is, and I let that be because I can't. If I push that down, it doesn't feel good for me. I'm not a push down my emotions kind of gal. Uh, but I, what I do is I do. Um, I've got like a little imaginary backpack where I put that whatever's happening for me. I'm like, okay, this emotion. I'm angry, or I'm sad, or I'm frustrated, or. Whatever, I know that's how I'm feeling. I know what's happening right now. Don't react, put that in my backpack. And then when I get somewhere where I'm safe and happy and calm, I'll pull that back out again and try and work out what's going on for me. And then I'll have a conversation with the person who made me feel that way. If that's the thing that I want to do with it. Sometimes it isn't. And sometimes I just think, goodness, I did not react to that because that is not a conversation I actually really want to have at all. Yeah,
0: amazing. That is such good advice and such a brilliant tool to be able to take throughout your day. Uh, as pharmacists, regardless of where we're working, we work in reactive environments, and I think that does suck us down into becoming really reactive. Um, and that impacts our ability to respond appropriately, meaningfully, in an emotionally intelligent way. Yeah. And in a way that you can be proud of later. That's really important to me. And I say that to the kids too, you know your behavior
1: you need to be proud of that and if you if you react at times you'll behave in a way that you wouldn't have normally behaved and then you're going to feel yucky about that later and that's not nice you don't want to have to add that to yourself
0: yeah 100 percent. and my emotional intelligence brain is wanting to spiral down the rabbit hole of the science of that but we're going to park that (laughs) (laughs) and i want to expand on this a little bit further and say how does that ability to be able to put that in your emotional backpack to unpack whenever you so choose how does that influence the rest of your day the rest of your week and how you continue on
1: Uh, that varies it varies depending on how strong i am on -hmm. any given day week month whatever um generally speaking it means that i can not let it derail my entire day. Um, Sometimes it still does, don't get me wrong. Like I said before, I'm definitely not perfect at this. Um, But it also means it can be, um, it can be burdensome, I won't lie. You know, like if I've had a big day and I've popped a few of those moments into my backpack uh, and I get home, I can feel tired uh, from it. It's it's actually a really tiring thing to be emotionally burdened. Um, and sometimes I don't wanna deal with it even when I'm at home. Um, and so I sometimes won't. Sometimes I'll say, okay, well, it can stay in here until I'm much more ready. Uh, mm-hmm. Once that bag starts to get full or heavy itself, that I can feel. Uh, so I'm like, okay, there's a lot of stuff in here that I haven't actually done anything with. Damn, I have to actually unpack you uh, sooner rather than later or that's gonna end up being tricky. Um, And so the way I do that uh, is, well, it depends what it is, but a lot of the time now, and I I kind of have been doing this since my burnout, uh, is I write, um, so I journal. um, Mm -hmm. It's a pretty nonsensical kind of journal. Like I couldn't go back and read it and be like, oh, this day this what happened." It's very, it's just whatever I need it to be actually. It doesn't Mm -hmm. even have to be, it doesn't make any sense necessarily at all. Uh, but sometimes I'll just, you know, write an angry note or draw a picture or I don't know, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very flexible with how that sort of comes out of me. Um, the other thing that um, I've recently um, had some conversations with some psychologists around some of this stuff, but the other thing that I don't do particularly well, as I think pharmacists do particularly well actually, is spend a lot of time on my own. And I don't mean on my own because I'm by myself a bit. Um, As in, you know, I can be home working without the kids or I can be in my office working on my own. Um, But I don't spend a lot of time with myself. Um, And so, uh, you know, I was having a big whinge to one of the psychologists about how I tried to have a couple of weeks off and I was still really busy and nobody would leave me alone. and Uh, And she said, yes, but you you don't actually really want to spend that time because that's the time where you have to kind of just be with yourself and just spend some time hanging out with Carly. And maybe that's not something you're used to. I feel my life very busy, like my pharmacists are. Uh, And so one thing that she sort of talked to me, talked with me about was um, maybe once I dropped the kids off to school, maybe driving to a coffee shop and sitting by myself for 30 minutes and just not on my phone, not doing work, not talking on the phone but just some quiet time. So I've done that. This only happened to me two weeks ago and I've done that three times in two weeks. Uh, And I've also, she also said, why don't you go for a walk at lunchtime? take your phone and just go for a half an hour walk or something. Um, And I've done that a couple of times and that has been a huge help to me because I've given myself a bit more space because it's really easy to fill space up. And when you've got a lot of emotional stuff in your backpack, that the time it takes to really unpack some of that we underestimate. Mm -hmm. Um, And so allowing yourself that time, because a lot of people, a lot of mums and dads, like a lot of busy people, that time by yourself is we never prioritize it because we could be cooking dinner or we could be ordering school books or we could be at work or we could be, you know, studying or whatever other thing. And I think there's a lot of guilt associated with doing nothing. Um, And I think when we reframe that and say, actually, this is work, it's work for me um, to sit and have a chat to myself, um, then it's, I think just that reframing can be really helpful. And that has really helped. This is probably the emptiest my backpack has been for a very, very long time, the last couple of weeks where I've, Sometimes I don't get right to the bottom of the pack. Sometimes just leave a little couple of things in the bottom. The um, this has been this has been a really nice way to kind of work through that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, through
0: that. Again, that that is such fantastic advice. And if we look at the definition, and you almost said it um, not too long ago, but uh, emotional intelligence is the about the ability to identify, reason with, perceive, and influence emotions in ourselves and in others. And that's not a quick fix. That is not something that we can do in five seconds. And especially when it comes to ourselves as well. Um, So prioritizing the space to be able to do that um, is such a wonderful gift that really should be a non-negotiable for us if we're going to uh, show up as the best version of ourselves. at home, at work and everywhere in between.
1: Yeah, in our lives.
0: Yeah, so we could talk for an eternity, uh, but I am conscious um, of the time. So I wanna know, leadership of self, um, you've identified that success for you now is quite different to what it was um, 10 years ago and even five years ago. What role is leadership of self played in that?
1: Uh, it's everything. I, what I want for myself now is very, very different. Um, in terms of uh, when I was, I won't say younger, when I just, you know, a few years ago, <laughs> um, success was really about uh, that external validation being seen to be, um to be the best um, in whatever way that meant, and for me, it was in critical care pharmacy. Um, now, don't get me wrong, it's still important. I still do seek external validation. I'm not pretending like suddenly I'm just you know, think I'm great and no, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. I still do value the opinion of my peers, absolutely. Um, but now, it is more about my integrity, it's more about. The way I show up and being proud of what I put out into the world. So it's not about what, um, but about how. And I'm a lot more deliberate with my actions um, to be in line with my values than I ever was before. And it's taken a long time. It's not an easy thing to do. And I don't always do that. I don't. Some days I show up and I go, crap, I really acted in a way I'm not proud of today so I'm not pretending like that's you know it's perfect it's certainly not um but I the value
0: that I place on that
1: behavior is a lot higher than what it was before
0: yeah and how has that affected um or influenced I guess the that roller coaster that um, you mentioned right at the start?
1: Um, I think what it's done is I can see it. I can see it now and I couldn't see it before. And there's a lot of power in being able to see and understand how you feel, a lot of power, and it influences your behaviour. If you can see it uh, and understand it, then you, can, you can't You can necessarily change it, but you can certainly influence it. Um and so that roller coaster for me, still there, but I see it. I see the highs, and I celebrate the highs, and I see the lows, and I acknowledge where they are and where they fit. Um, and so it, the feelings associated with those ups and downs don't necessarily have an overall influence or impact on my behaviour. Which feels like I really—it um, feels like I have control a lot more control than I had before. And that feels powerful.
0: Mm. Yeah, amazing. So I've got two questions. The first one is, there might be some people listening to this podcast that go, you know what, emotions, asking for what I want, being able to be clear to be kind, and you know, being more in control of my behaviour is A bridge too far for me. I reckon I can get through by just fighting, fighting along the way. What have you got to say to those people? I've got to say
1: the fights will be will land in on your side a lot more. You'll end up winning the fights way more if you take a little bit of time and space for yourself. It doesn't need a lot. It needs a little bit. You just need to acknowledge uh, that the way you're feeling influences your behaviour. If you can just do that, if you can go okay, "I'm angry, and this is the way I'm reacting to that anger." It's this extremely powerful thing, and then the conversations you have will be better. You will end up on top more often. One hundred percent. Trust
0: me, I promise that will happen. Yeah, you'll get what you I'll... need for. I'll stand on that hill with Carly as well, uh, (laughs) preaching the same thing. And the last one um, I want to ask is I am trying to build a leadership toolbox to be able to give to all of our listeners and um, all the pharmacists and pharmacy assistants, anyone who's working in our industry across the country. So if there was one tool that you could put into this leadership toolbox that everyone should have, what would it be? the ability to ask for what you need, 100%. That
1: is when you ask for what you need in a way that is heard, you almost always get it. People want to help you. They're not trying to push you down. They're trying to lift you up, even though sometimes it feels like they're not. And if you can ask for what you need in a way that can be heard, it's amazing
0: oh i personally have got so much out of this conversation and (laughs) you have really identified some home truths that maybe i needed to go back to the drawing board on as well because you're right none of us are perfect and this is hard stuff and we all need reminders as well that's where coaches and mentors as you mentioned before um as well so thank you so much for your time today and sharing it with our our is there anything else you'd like to add before we leave
1: no i the only thing i will say which you you said and i think you and i've always agreed on this but um
0: it's a lot easier
1: to do if you can get someone to help you to do it mentor coach peer someone to talk to that can help you that will give you feedback honest feedback um really really you can do it by yourself but it's a lot harder much
0: easier if you've got someone in your corner absolutely and that sounds like another conversation for another day so thank you very much thank you thanks for joining us today on the pharmacy view podcast and don't forget to like share and leave us a comment if you found this episode of value or have feedback podcast episodes are promoted through social media linkedin youtube and major podcast mediums and each episode can be found on the pharmacy view webpage with links to guest contact and business details if you're a pharmacist or industry support supplier who would like to join us on an episode send us a message through linkedin or complete an inquiry form on the pharmacy view webpage i am your host chantelle turner pharmacist, leadership coach, and founder of Turn Pharmacy Leadership. And on behalf of Shopfront Solutions and Arion Technologies, thanks again for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast.